feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, thank God they got this creep, and I am talking about the 21-year-old guy who opened fire on a 4th of July parade just in a suburb outside of Chicago. And now, by the way, in the last few hours, we're finding out that the death count is now seven people have died, more than 30 injured, and Robert Cremo third. 21 years old, from a nearby area, Highwood Township, Illinois, has now been charged officially in the last few hours with seven counts of first-degree murder, which would mean life without parole if he is convicted on all these counts. There's no death penalty in Illinois. So tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show, I want to talk about, sadly, what a deadly weekend it was across America, but especially with this parade shooting because now we are learning more and more things about this guy's background. First, we heard, oh, there was nothing in the background that could have warned us. That's what law enforcement was saying. And I thought, that's a little odd. If you look at the guy, he looks like he's a nut. I mean, the guy is dressed, you know, with this weird hair and weird look, and he's got facial tattoos, and he's got all this stuff. And then it turns out on social media, he's talking about shooting. He even surveilled that area of the parade route, that exact area, just a few weeks before, talked about mass shootings, talked about this fantasy of murders and killings and all these horrible things on social media. And I thought that's odd that there were so many things in his background, just even on social media. And now we've learned in the last few hours some stunning details. And I want to hear your thoughts tonight because, boy, are red flags being missed in this case. And when you hear it, it seems to be sadly a pattern that's happening over and over again across America in so many of the recent shootings that we're hearing. And of course, the Democrats are saying, oh, it's guns, 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 guns. If you look at this guy's background, he was definitely violence waiting to happen. He fit the profile 2AT. And apparently law enforcement had been out there multiple times on this guy. So why was there not some note in the system that said, do not sell this guy a gun? And why was he even out on the streets? And I'm going to take it further because I feel so passionate. You guys have heard me talk about cases like this. The parents absolutely had to have known. There is no way that the parents did not know in this case because we know for a fact now that in this guy's background in the Highland Park parade shooting, if you look at his background, we found out just a few hours ago from authorities that in Illinois in 2019, it wasn't that long ago, there were two separate cases. One case where he apparently wanted to kill himself and law enforcement was called to the scene. And then another case where he wanted to kill everybody in his house. And what did law enforcement do? They seized his knives. And guess what? He didn't just have one or two knives. He apparently had like 16 or 17 knives. I mean, this is not a normal situation. So how could this guy suddenly be able 
to buy a gun after that, multiple guns after that, legally. He even got the card that you're allowed to be able to purchase guns that same year. Uh, to me, this is outrageous. And this is not a question of guns, 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 Second Amendment. This guy had tons of knives. And all you do is take the knives away and say, okay, well, case closed, no problems. And you don't put anything in the system. And you don't do something to flag this guy. You don't make sure that he goes to a mental institution because he's planning to kill his whole family. And now people are saying that neighbors are reporting that they saw police out there all the time at the guy's house, that apparently there were tons of disturbances with him and his family. Of course, these two severe ones that the law enforcement is talking about. But why was he out? Why was he not in a mental institution? Why was he not in a straitjacket? Why was he allowed to be able to walk outside and be okay? And why are the Democrats not talking about that? All they are saying tonight is, we have got to take guns away. This guy had 16 or 17 knives. He was planning on killing his family with 16 or 17 knives before. So it, it's the guns are not the solution, guys. Yes, we want to make sure the bad guys do not have the guns. That is clear. And in this case, this guy never should have had the guns. But you have to also look at the mental history and the background of people like this. And Democrats have to wake up and realize that they need to send a message that you can't go soft on people. If there are issues in their background and if there are mental issues, especially serious issues like this, what the heck are they doing walking out free to endanger everybody else? If you look at this guy's background, he fit the M.O. He was lonely. He was having problems in school before. Uh, he was talking about death. He had violence. He was on these social medias. I mean, if you look at all over the place, it was absolutely clear. And meanwhile, social media, by the way, can't, they can't wait. If they don't like something that somebody puts politically online, guess what? That person gets suspended or they get booted from Twitter. And yet this guy's out there surveilling the parade route, talking about death, talking about murder, fantasizing about mass shootings. And he doesn't get flagged. What are social media companies doing and what are parents doing? And in this case, there is no doubt his parents absolutely knew. So I want to hear from your thoughts tonight. Do you believe that charges should come against his parents? Do you believe that there is an unbelievable responsibility that these parents bear for the fact that this guy who is living in their home in the father's basement and he was living, I think, right behind where they were living. So it was in basically the same structure, it seems. So he's living there. They call, say they're worried about him getting killed. Nobody institutionalizes him. Nobody does something to make sure he goes through enormous psychiatric valuation and maybe gets sent away. If you are talking about killing yourself or talking about killing other people, and then on social media, you're going on and on and on, and you have 16 or 17 knives a couple years before, and now you're suddenly buying guns? Are you kidding me? These parents bear huge responsibility. Obviously, this guy does too. And clearly, we need to figure out how we can track down people like this and make sure that they do not get access to any weapons, whether it's knives or guns or anything else. It is time to stop saying, oh, I feel sorry for this person or whatever. I feel a lot more sorry for those people that were on that parade route. Because today, 
Seven of them have lost their lives. Dozens are seriously injured and fighting for their lives tonight. And it's all because this guy was an accident waiting to happen. What are your thoughts tonight? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is the, here's one of the survivors from the Highland Park shooting talking about just how emotional it was and what it was like being there at the scene and being there now. Our wedding guests were here and just to wake up seeing that this is, they went from a, a happy occasion and now they're here. This is just, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. It's really hard to be here right now. Ah. Uh. It is heartbreaking to hear their stories. These poor people that were just there to celebrate the independence of our country, 4th of July, a beautiful celebration. And this guy goes to a rooftop, climbs up through a fire escape, and opens fire. And today we're finding out also, how did he do it? How did this guy, who seems like, if you looked at the guy, he's got tattoos again all over his face and body, He looks nuts. He's got a wacky hairdo, the whole to-do. It's like, who would sell this guy bubblegum, let alone a gun? I mean, he just looks nuts. I mean, he looks crazy. And he dressed up as a woman so he could actually get lost in the crowd. This is how much planning this guy went through, which to me, he clearly has mental issues. There's no doubt about it, obviously. The guy's got huge mental issues. But to be able to say that you are insane has to show that you do not understand what you're doing at the moment. And in this case, he actually dressed up as a female so he could escape getting caught by authorities right after he went to the top of that building, opened fire. Apparently, they said like 70 rounds were let out on the crowd. And then he got lost in the crowd dressed as a woman and tried to look like he was a spectator. So that shows a lot of planning on his part, and law enforcement described that today. It's very clear to investigators he attempted to blend in uh, with the rest of the victims who were fleeing the scene, uh, carrying a rifle. I, I would imagine wouldn't allow one to blend in very well. Yeah, isn't that interesting? He put the rifle apparently in a red blanket and hid through the scene, Then he goes and apparently walks quite a bit, goes to his mother's house. Then he gets his mother's car. He drives his mother's car to Madison, Wisconsin, which is about three hours away. Then he comes back into Illinois, and that was at the point where he got arrested because the mother knew that her car was stolen. Authorities knew that he was in the mother's car, or at least had been at one point. He was still in that car, and they had an APB out, and that's how they got him. And then they also went to his home. And here is what they described of what they found at his home in terms of the guns. Take a listen to that. There were a combination of which, I don't have the exact count, at least two rifles, uh, some uh, pistols, and possibly a shotgun. Those were seized at his father's home uh, pursuant to a search warrant yesterday. Yeah, there were just like five guns apparently there at the same home where in 2019 they got 16 or 17 knives. Are you kidding me? Take a listen to what was in his background. This is, again, the Lake County Deputy Sheriff Christopher Cavelli describing some of the past threats with this loony. The second occurred in September of 2019. A family member reported that Cremo 
said he was going to kill everyone and Cremo had a collection of knives. The police responded to his residence. The police removed 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword from Cremo's home. At that time, there was no probable cause to arrest. There were arrest. There were no complaints that uh, were signed by any of the victims. The Highland Park Police Department, however, did immediately notify the Illinois State Police of the incident. In other words, the family members didn't want to press charges against him. Shame on them. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Russ on line two. Russ, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rita. You know, the his father, the shooter's father, ran for mayor in 2019. You know that, right? That's right. Yep. Right. So I think that that father running for mayor had something to do with them downplaying the seriousness of it and not having this little uh, shooter arrested. So uh, I think that has something to do with it. The parents are definitely culpable. But, you know, I want to ask you something. Was was this little sh- schmuck, Was he, he was a law-abiding gun owner right up until the point he climbed up that ladder, right? He was a law-abiding gun owner, right? Absolutely, because they yeah. said because there was no charges that were pressed against him and because they took the knives away, it wasn't like he had a, quote, illegal gun back then. They just took other weapons away so he wouldn't harm other people and himself. And that wasn't enough to constitute having an illegal gun or having a felony or anything in that case because they didn't press any charges either. The family members, as you just heard, there was nothing in his record. And to me, that that is astounding that you could go to the point. I mean, how many people do you know if they, hey, come on out to the house, and apparently he had a dagger he had other knives. I mean, it was like, like a, who has like 16, 17 knives sitting around? And then he got the card, just like you said. He got the gun card to be able to purchase a gun that same year. It's 2019 when those two incidents happened. And, and you hit a great point there, Russ, because the father was running for mayor. And how interesting is that? You're right. Maybe he didn't want it to come out, and that's why he didn't press charges, because he didn't want it to whatever, ruin his political chances. And and a lot of people, look, it's a hard decision to do something against your own child. But if your child is clearly suicidal, if your co- child is considering killing everybody in the house to the point where you are calling authorities out to the house, and apparently neighbors said they saw the cops out there quite a bit of times. Those are just the two times that we're hearing about on record. But it sounds like they were out there quite a bit. And maybe he didn't want it out there for political reasons. But, boy, shame on him, because at some point you have to do the right thing for the rest of society. Russ, great points. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. listening to the Rita Cosby show we are talking about this horrible case of the Highland Park shooter 21 year old Robert Cremo from a nearby area there in Illinois who in the last few hours has now been charged with seven counts of first degree murder and many more charges are expected to be filed by the way no motive uh, determined yet they do not know why he actually opened fire on this parade route just outside of Chicago. And also the other thing, they say that he was firing 
it looked like indiscriminately just at anybody in sight, like not necessarily targeting a particular individual or a type of individual, just opening fire up to 70 rounds. It is unbelievable. And I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to what needs to be done, because the Democrats are all talking guns, guns, guns. And if you look at this guy, this guy had a track record that it is stunning to understand why he even had any weapons and why he wasn't even locked up, whether it was behind bars, in prison or in a mental institution, something. Because if you look at his background, there were so many issues he had multiple run-ins, a suicide attempt where they had to go out, then also where he was going to kill his whole family in the house. Uh, a lot of issues there. And then if you go on his social media page, it's all over the place. I mean, here he's casing out the parade route. He's talking about mass killing. He's talking about mass murder. People said that he was weird in school. People said he was a loner, uh, a would-be rapper, had facial tattoos all over his face. I mean... Why was this kind of a guy able to buy a gun or any kind of weapon? It is shocking. And by the way, in Illinois, there are red flag laws, just like in New York. And guess what? The red flag laws didn't work in the Buffalo case. And the red flag laws here clearly did not work in Illinois because they didn't have any criminal arrest record. But they went to the house with people saying that he was planning on killing everybody and nothing goes into his record to say this guy's a bit of a loony kazoonie. They just seize all these knives and law enforcement then walks away. Uh, We got to do better, guys. And I also blame the parents big time. If you see something, you got to say something. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Who do you blame? Obviously, the shooter first and foremost But what else can be done in terms of reporting? What can be done? I think law enforcement dropped the ball here. I think the parents dropped the ball here. I think neighbors, other people dropped the ball here. I mean, this guy looks like a profile in in mass killing. I mean, if you look at his background, he fits it to a T, and the guy looks like a nut. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. 9222. Let's go to Will in Richmond, Virginia. Go ahead, Bill. Your your thoughts about all this, Will. Hi, Rita. Um, I like your show. I'm kind of new to listening to it. Um, I, I do agree that um, there's a lot of information that should have been put in his file, which should have flagged him, which didn't happen. So there's a failure there. But the main point that you make, which I really am totally in sync with, is that we need to start holding families accountable because the only way we're really going to kind of root some of these people out is if we have an early warning system out there and the only people that can really see what's going on are the close family members and so i think we need to just i I, i'm not proposing any particular legislation but somehow we've just got to put the public on notice that if hey if one of your family members does this we're going to come start scrutinizing you too you know it's not just going to be here's this mass murderer crazy person no we're going to come to start looking at the family and put you into the spotlight too because you know i've got a big family and you know we keep track of everybody and you, you can observe if there's strange behavior and you need families need to be held accountable i totally agree with you on that yeah i do too will and, and listen it's a hard thing obviously to report a family member And Russ, who had just called um, before you, I don't know if you heard, I thought Russ made a great point that the father was running for mayor 
right around the same time. And who knows, maybe that's why he didn't want to officially report his son, even though they had to call. Obviously, they were worried enough to call the police to say he was planning on killing everybody in the house. I mean, that's not a normal situation. But maybe that's why he didn't want to press charges, because he was worried how that might look, you know, as he's running for public office. He didn't want that out there in a public way. But too bad. You know, I agree with you, Will. You know, at some point, you've got to think of the greater good of society. And if you have a child who is clearly fitting the mold, and this guy almost looks like like a model of it, sadly. You know, if you look at his background and you look at him and you look at his history... I mean, everything was sitting there right in front of them and why he wasn't locked up. Why was he given, you know, some sort of help? Um, Why wasn't he taken off the streets? And why was he able to have all those guns and those knives? He shouldn't have had any of them. This is a guy who clearly had a violent background and parents need to be responsible. Rita Cosby is on. Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, as we talked about, it was a very deadly weekend across America in so many locations, especially even during the fireworks celebrations. Uh, by the way, uh, over the weekend, New York had, uh, it was like 68 shot. Chicago uh, had many shot. Actually, Chicago had 68 shot, uh, over a dozen or so uh, shot in New York. Um, also in Philadelphia, and in Philadelphia in particular, two police officers have now been fortunately discharged from the Philadelphia hospital where they were treated for gunshot wounds last night. The officers, who were identified as longstanding members of the local law enforcement bureaus, one of them is 36 years old, currently assigned to the city's highway patrol unit, the other is 44, and works as a bomb squad technician. Now, both officers were stationed in the area of a 4th of July celebration in Philly and also a concert in central Philadelphia when the sounds of sudden gunfire sent a wave of panic through the crowd. Video footage showed attendees screaming as they ran from the area. The officers were the only ones hurt during the shooting as bullets grazed the highway patrol officer's forehead and the bomb squad technician's right shoulder. The shooting is currently under investigation by the Philly Police Department, which is still trying to locate a suspect and also determine if the officers were deliberately targeted. Uh, Luckily, uh, they were treated at the hospital. They have now been discharged just a few hours ago and are said to be doing okay, amazingly. And thank goodness, because it is so important that we always appreciate our men and women in blue. And boy, do they have a very, very difficult job these days. Uh, We are talking, of course, about also the case in Chicago, because as we're getting more details about this guy, Robert Cremo, 21 years old, uh, from an area just a few miles away from where the shooting took place in the Chicago suburb of Highland Park, and that was during the July 4th parade there. You look at his background, you're like, how did this guy ever, first of all, how was he able to walk the streets, and how was he able to legally buy guns? It is astounding because there were multiple cases. First, where, again, he was trying to kill himself, and then a case where he was planning on trying to kill everybody in his house 
And both times law enforcement were called there, and apparently law enforcement were there quite a bit, according to neighbors who say they saw people there all the time from law enforcement. Those are just the two we know about. And one of the cases had to do with where they said, oh, God, he was threatening everybody in the place. And law enforcement came over there, and they took away his weapons. They said, hey, how many weapons does he have? It turned out he had 16 or 17 knives, not one, not two, 16 or 17 knives. He was clearly obsessed with these, like, kind of instruments, that, you know, that would create, you know, destruction to other people. And don't you think if somebody has a whole bunch of knives like that and is threatening to kill everybody and their family and is talking about death and mass murder and all that stuff, why don't you lock them up? That is enough for probable cause. It is outrageous that they let this guy walk and Judge Janine also talked about that today on Fox News. Take a listen. Let's be clear about one thing. When we find people with knives and guns, we arrest them. We keep them in jail. We prosecute them and we convict them. When we start recognizing that there's consequences that have to be imposed before you start going after the Second Amendment, maybe then we can have a legitimate conversation. And if you look at this guy's background, the fact that there were multiple times law enforcement got called out, how could this guy ever buy a gun? It is shameful. There are so many people to blame here. And it's just heartbreaking to hear what this guy did when he opened fire on top of a rooftop. And if you look at his background, he was a ticking time bomb. Here's a little bit more of Judge Janine talking about that. You know, in the beginning, and I have my notes, uh, he was not known to the police. That's what they told us. But we know that there generally is some crumb, something that indicates there's a problem. Now, we just find out there were 17 knives that the police seized from his home after he threatened to kill everybody. There were apparently domestic violence calls to his homes. Quote, the police were there all the time. There were always police cars at the house. Parents were arguing and fighting all the time. Now, is that enough? No. But if you threaten to kill someone and you're a loner and you've got 19 knives or 17 and the police come and say there's no grounds to arrest you, well, I would take that cop on any day of the week. Bravo. I would, too. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. You are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Gracie. Uh, line four. Gracie, what are your thoughts about all this? Hi, my thoughts um, originally were uh, the parents must know somebody or be in politics, but the answer was given that definitely that was the case. They know they knew somebody, and that's why the kid wasn't arrested. Also, why do you think, first of all, he was, he's a nut. The poor thing is really sick, and his parents should be held culpable. But I think he did it because he wanted to embarrass his parents, and he hated them. I really mean that, to do such a terrible thing. Yeah, that's an interesting point, because, Gracie, you know, I think about, like, in the Uvalde case, you know, the guy who was living with his grandmother was angry at his grandmother. Remember, he shot his grandmother, and then he went to the school where the grandmother had worked. And I think about in Newtown, Connecticut, the kid was angry at his mother, uh, shot and killed his mother in that case, and then goes to the school where the mother had worked. So you're right. Maybe there was something like, you know, oh, my dad doesn't want people to know that I'm nuts or that I'm doing this and 
you know, he, he tries to keep, maybe, he's, you know, this was his way. I'm going to do something so public uh, that dad is going to be embarrassed on this one and no one's going to be able to, you know, push it under the rug, you know, screaming out for uh, the attention to do it. That's an interesting point. Do you think that's why he went after like a very public place, like a parade route? They say these insane people are smart, and I, I, I would, I think that, especially since you just gave those other examples that I did know, but I didn't connect. But definitely, got to get a psychiatrist to figure this one out. But I just feel sorry for the poor seven people that died, and and all these other wounded people. Their lives are ruined. Absolutely, and that's why my heart goes out to them. And that's why no matter, you know, obviously the kid clearly was troubled, but he was also violent and he was obviously a major threat to society. And I'm even talking well before the shooting. It was so abundantly apparent. And the parents, for some reason, didn't want to get him institutionalized, didn't want to arrest him, didn't want to do a whole bunch of things. And I agree with you. It's like it sounds like Maybe because it's a small community, it's a suburb of Chicago, it's not Chicago itself, it's a suburb of Chicago, and apparently everybody knew each other, they all, like, you know, people in the area know who people are, so they obviously knew. If you look at the guy, the minute you see the guy, you're like, oh gosh, he's a nut. Um, You know, he's got tattoos all over, and then you look at his background, there's no doubt at that point, and you're right, maybe there were people in town who were like, oh, that's so-and-so's son, you know, we're not going to say anything about that because he's running for this and he's an upstanding citizen and the parents were maybe upstanding citizens. The mother was a spiritual healer, I read somewhere, and the father running for mayor and he was living in the father's basement, you know, so he was there in the area. Uh, obviously, they knew who he was and maybe they were trying to help the father and didn't want to embarrass him. But you know what? At some point, you need to say, my child is a threat to society. He's not only a threat to the parents. I mean, I would be scared to be living in the house if the kid was talking about killing everybody in the house. I mean, you know, you know, you don't suddenly turn a blind eye to that and say, okay, well, okay, everything's fine. And then you see the kid getting tattoos all over his face and his body. And, you know, I, and clearly he is a calculator because um, he knew enough to dress. I mean, that's the thing. You brought up the fact that these people are pretty smart, Gracie, because You know, he knew enough that if he dressed like a woman, he could get lost in the crowd because people would be looking if they saw him. You know, he's shooting from the roof. So people didn't know maybe what he even looked like at the time. Um, But if somebody were to see him, they would see, you know, a dark haired guy with noticeable tattoos. It's not like this is a normal looking guy. Um, So if you saw him, you'd pretty much go, oh, that's the one be able to spot. And so he knew enough to dress up as a woman, knew enough where the fire escape was to get to the roof of the building. He knew enough to get that angle to be able to open fire. He planned, he bought these guns over a a certain amount of time. And again, according to authorities, bought them legally. Um, And then um, he knew enough to be dressed as a woman so he could escape in the crowd and look like a spectator kind of running in the crowd. So he's crazy like a fox. And that's a very, very scary combination. Gracie, thank you. Let's go to Jim, line five in Westbury. Jim, your thoughts about this? Yeah, Rita, the, the, the thing was, you're saying, should the parents be held culpable? Correct? Yes, and I say yes, yes, and yes. Well, I, I, I think you should take it further because 
this is happening too often, Rita. They, these, they, oh, the parents knew this, the parents knew that. They should be, well, these people should be thrown in jail for a long, long time. These other imbeciles, they could hear what happens. I mean, you have to come to terms. They raised this freak. He should have been institutionalized. Police were sent to the house so many times, correct? He had guns, knives, all this. It, it was a loose cannon. Was he a loose cannon or not? Yeah, no, clearly he was a loose cannon. And and when authorities went over there, they found seven knives. Like, clearly he was scary. It was scary enough that the family called up and said, law enforcement, please come over here. We're worried. You know it's got to be bad at that point, you know? Okay, so they, I feel they should be made an example and sent away for a long time. Because to, to, to send the word out, if I'm sure there's plenty more people out, there, people like this out there, with parents that know that their that their offspring, you want, all right, is, is is a loose cannon, and it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. They, yeah, I agree. Has to happen because those poor people are suffering unimaginable pain. These huh. families, unimaginable. Right, because they because parents well, because, because yeah, these parents did not take responsibility, Jim. Did not. Judge Janine Pirro was saying all the right things, but they should be sent to jail for a long, long time. Just to set an example, something has to, some, you got to start somewhere to stop this madness. Society. Yeah, I, I, by the way, Jim, I 1,000% no. no. agree with you, Jim. 1,000%. And I think they should yeah, be made an example of because it is so, so absolutely horrible, Jim. Um, thank you very much for the call, Jim. Great call. Let's go to Wilford, uh, line six. Your thoughts, Wilford. I agree with what Jim just said, that the parents should be made examples of, because this case is so horrible and it was so blatant. I'd also like to know, you know, okay, when they reported it, I'd love to talk to the officers who came out on the scene. Were they doing a favor to the would-be potential mayor, you know, who was asking, oh, please don't cover this one. Please don't report this one. You know, do me a favor. You know, I'd like to know. I'd also love to interview the people who went out to the house. What did you see? What was in the report? What did you do? Did you do anything after that? Was there any flags? Or did you cut them a favor because he asked you to? You know, what what was said to you why you didn't go after charges back in 2019 against this monster? Go ahead, Wilfred. Okay. they You know, like Democrats always do, they create a problem and then they get you to argue about something else now they make a big deal out of this some kids that got shot which it was right but twice as many that get killed every week in chicago so when you realize that you got to say well how come they making a big deal because they want to get they're trying to get the amendment the second amendment they're trying to pull your gun away more and more more and more and that's why you had the gun laws to protect you from your government well, and Wilfred, uh, to your point, um, I brought up, I think it was 68 were shot. I mean, 68, that's a huge number in Chicago over the weekend, over the 4th of July weekend, the three-day weekend. Um, and you're right, they're not saying anything about that. I mean, obviously, in this case, it is so horrible. Every case is horrible when somebody loses their life. Um, and it should be investigated and it should be looked into and warning signs and, and the you know, for some reason, they're not going after, like you just said, and they're not going after repeat offenders. 
um, and they're not going after ones uh, in those particular situations. They're not even going after gangbangers. I mean, a lot of the crime are done by gangbangers in Chicago. There's some real rough areas in Chicago, and they're not going after them. They don't seem to be want to go after the repeat offenders. All they talk about are guns, guns, guns. And in this case, I contend there are a lot of issues here. This guy, uh, if he had the chance, he would have killed his family with 17 knives. You know, uh, how would gun laws have done anything in this case back in 2019? If the parents had been responsible, they would have had him arrested or they would have had him institutionalized at minimum. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Great calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Listening to the Rita Cosby Show, we are talking about now 21-year-old Robert Primo charged with seven counts of first-degree murder for opening fire on thousands upon thousands of people that were out for a 4th of July parade in Highland Park, Illinois. Seven people now dead, 30-plus injured. And former New York City Police Commissioner Howard Safer said, This guy's background was so obvious, he fit the profile, and it was very clear that this kid was headed for something very serious and should have been locked up. Take a listen. We don't need to make a profile. We've had 300 mass shootings. The majority of them are committed by males, 18 to 21, uh, who are on social media, who are generally loners. Uh, It's a profile that should be reported Yeah, and it should be recorded and recorded, especially when there is something in this guy's background and others' background. I mean, this guy had like a big neon sign saying, I am a violent individual and should not be out on the streets. And finally, police admit today that they had been to his house at least twice. And according to neighbors, a lot more than that. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. I agree with a number of you who have called up and said that the parents should be made examples of. The father, who was apparently running for mayor in that town, you know, you can surmise, maybe he didn't want it to get out there. That's why he didn't want it to be known that his child had been arrested for making threats against the entire family. Threats so serious that they did call authorities and say that the kid wanted to kill everybody in the house. And then suddenly all they do are take the kids' knives away as if that is going to fix things when somebody is clearly so troubled. And then he suddenly goes and gets the card to be able to buy guns. And then he buys them. And he had multiple guns at the time of the shooting on the parade near Chicago. I mean, there are so many things here. I do think we need to throw the book at the parents and send a message that parents have a responsibility And shame on these parents for not coming forward and saying, my child needs to be locked up. There needs to be something seriously done. And also on a social media page. We're going to get to that in the next hour. His social media page, all over his social media page. He's talking about killing people, murder, violence. He even cased out the parade route 
that he opened fire on, the very route, not a generic route, the very route. So it's all there if you had looked at his social media and your parents and you know you have a violent kid and what he's buying guns after he had 17 knives at the time when he planned on killing the whole family. And he's what, just walking around free willy, no problems whatsoever? Are you kidding me? I say throw the book at the parents. It may sound tough, but we need to get tough because parents, they had to have been aware. He was living in the basement, you know, and and they already knew that those 17 knives had been taken just a few years before. And then he goes and buys guns and he's looking at violent video games. He's also posting all this stuff and you don't do anything. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jerry on line four. Jerry, your thoughts about this. Good evening, Rita. I agree with all the points that were made tonight. But I just want to add that our criminal justice system is failing everybody because they do not hold people accountable. They will not take someone with drug crimes, um, uh, uh, assault crimes, and they do not want to incarcerate people. Everything is moved now towards alternative um, programs. They don't want to keep anybody in custody. They use, especially now with since COVID, they don't want to have anybody in there because they're worried more about the health and well-being of the criminals. So I think that If they were to have arrested that guy, no judge would ever keep that guy. They would have moved him into some alternative program where he would be an outpatient somewhere. He would he would have been walking the streets the entire time. You know, Jerry, I hate to say that I I agree with you. And how sad is that, Um, that you're right, especially in Illinois. uh, You know, it's very much a Democratic state, as is New York and California and a number of others. And you're right, it is a revolving door of justice. And case in point, even after all this, they're still not saying, hey, look at this guy's background, blah, blah, blah. All they're pointing to is there should not be guns out on the streets. Like if this guy didn't have a gun, he wouldn't have done this. Well, obviously you don't want him to have a gun, but he would have killed his family with the 17 knives, Jerry. They they don't want to get into mental health. And they don't want to get into, like you said, uh, being tough on individuals and sending a message immediately. Why would you cut slack to somebody like this? Because then something like this happens, Jerry. They don't want to they don't want people who commit crimes. They don't want to put them in jail. They're certainly not going to take someone with a mental disorder and and, and put them in jail. That, that's no, you're the right. Reality. You're right, and you see it all over the country. Jerry, thank you very much for the call. And you're right, you see it on so many cities across the country where there are people with mental issues, and they're walking the streets, and it's like, oh, gosh, we have to do something to help them. Well, guess what? Maybe some of them need to be also arrested and locked up because it's the people with mental issues that were pushing people into the subway in New York, uh, that were opening fire on people in New York, that we're opening fire on people in Uvalde, Texas. I mean, there is clearly a pattern here. And at some point, we need to say we need to protect America at large, good citizens like these poor people at the parade route who now no longer are alive because of this monster. Feisty, fearless, and fair. 
She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Mass shootings in America are near record-breaking levels. The U.S. marked about 306 mass shootings. That's with at least four people injured or dead from the start of this year. Compared to last year, 327 mass shootings. And then the year before that, in 2020, there were 256. So overall, uh, they are on the rise, at least in the last two years. And the question is why? And in this latest case of this guy who opened fire on the Chicago parade, uh, this guy was a nut. He was homicidal. He was suicidal. He also uh, was an alienated, a loner, uh, doing these kind of rap videos, which we're going to get to in a moment. He had facial tattoos all over his face. If you're looking at me, a different color hair all over the place. And also he was wearing costumes out in public. And this latest case is just so horrible because we found out in the last few hours that now a seventh person has died from their injuries. And again, he just went to a rooftop and he opened fire on people on a 4th of July parade. Take a listen to one of the survivors of the Highland Park parade shooting. Um, So I've been going to this parade since I was a little kid and I just moved back from Phoenix, Arizona. And my dad and I wanted to come here again as like a thing of father-daughter camaraderie. And we got here nice and early for the pet parade and the kids parade, front row, right across from Walker Brothers in Port Clinton. About, you know, a little bit after the um, band went through, we hear, and probably heard 50 rounds in total, at least. Um, Everyone thought it was fireworks. Everyone's like, oh, fireworks, or, you know, the military people had just gone through with the shotguns. And I was like, something's wrong. I grabbed my dad and started running. All of a sudden, everyone behind us started running. I looked back probably 20 feet away from me. I saw a girl shot and killed. The girl I've heard on the news with in blood saw her die. Um, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, we hid behind a dumpster for about an hour, and then the police got us into Uncle Dan's Sporting Goods, where we hid in the basement for, I don't know how long it was. Time's kind of a blur at this point, but we hid there until the cops finally escorted us back to our car. They were wonderful. They drove us back to our car. Um, but... I mean, there were people that we were hiding with. One man had been shot in the head, like his ear. He was bleeding all over his face. Um, He was just like, I'm just happy that's all that happened. There was another girl that got escorted out, was shot in the leg. Um, We were just hiding in this basement for quite a while. Um, But yeah, we were right in the center. I mean, someone 20 feet, 20 feet away, you know, someone just. And then we went back to get our car keys and everything. And we just saw the streets were quite littered. It looked like a battle zone. And... It's disgusting. It's really disgusting. Wow. It looked like a battle zone. And you could see, like, dogs running with their leashes because the owners just let go of them. They were running. You see strollers. People absolutely panicked, understandably, when somebody just opens fire from a rooftop indiscriminately. And, again, we still don't know the motive at this point. Uh, Somebody said in the last hour, I thought it was a really interesting point, that, Maybe this guy, this nut job, and if you hear about his background, he surely was a nut job, was trying to send a message to his parents because the father was running at one point for office. 
maybe cared very much about his political standing and how he looked publicly and maybe didn't want to get the kind of help or lock the kid up like he should have. Um, who knows? We'll probably find out more in the coming days. But we already know within 24 hours now that this was definitely a guy where the writing was on the wall. This 21-year-old guy, I call him a monster. I hate to call him a guy because he really is a monster, what he did to those people at the parade who were there to just celebrate independence, a joyous time, Fourth of July parade. Um, You know, one of the happy moments and celebrating there with family and out, and it's a beautiful sunny day, and then suddenly this monster opens fire for no reason on just random people from a rooftop and people just were running for cover, as you heard from that individual. And this guy, if you look at his background, we now just found out from law enforcement a few hours ago that three years ago, in 2019, police arrived to his home, and they arrived in April 2019 because about a week before, so why did you wait a week? I'm going to get to that in a moment. But apparently a week before, he was threatening to kill himself. And so he shows up at the parents' house, uh, the law enforcement does, to this guy. um, And that's when they talk to him. And why did you wait a week? If somebody's about to kill themselves and it was a serious threat a week earlier, why did you wait a week to report it? Obviously, it was continuing at that moment. So then again, a few months later, in September 2019, the first one was in April 2019. So we're talking literally a few months later, in September 2019, A family member calls up law enforcement and says that this guy, uh, 21-year-old Robert Cremo, is about to kill everybody in the house, all of his family members. So the police show up at this case, take away 16 to 17 knives, including a dagger and a sword. I mean, these are not like, you know, kitchen knives. Um, Taking away a dagger and sword, the guy was like obsessed with weaponry. And take it away. And again, no charges. The guy doesn't get locked up. So why did this happen? And why was this allowed to happen that police just took away the weapons and said, see ya? And then a few months later, he gets this card making him eligible to be able to buy weapons, which he does. And apparently at the time when he opened fire on these poor people at the parade route, he had five weapons that he, quote, got legally you're listening to the rita cosby show this is the rita cosby show and you are listening to the rita cosby show we are talking about the highland park shooting outside of chicago illinois and the background of this guy robert cremo And if you look at his background, you say, gosh, how did this guy ever get out on the streets? It is just stunning. If you look at his background, you say, wait a minute, there is no possible way that this guy would be walking the streets. It just doesn't make any sense. Authorities were called out first off in back in April of 2019. He was having a suicide attempt at that time. And then after all of that, Then there was another case where they actually went out and he said, I'm planning on killing everybody in my house. How was this guy able to actually get guns? It does not make any sense. I want to play cut 15. This is a little bit about the first instant, the suicide attempt. Still responded to the residents a week later. 
spoke with Cremo, spoke with Cremo's parents, and the matter was being handled by uh, mental health professionals at that time. Now, let's also go to the crime scene. Let's talk about the other incident, because this is Highland Park Police talking about another incident that happened with Robert Cremo. Take a listen. This is Cut 16. In September of 2019, a family member reported that Cremo said he was going to kill him, and Cremo had a collection of knives. The Highland Park Police Department, however, did immediately notify the Illinois State Police of the incident. And he did, they did notify, apparently, that he was planning on killing the entire family. So you look at that and you go, how was this guy able to function? How was he able to be able to walk out on the streets? It doesn't make any single sense whatsoever. And this is former FBI investigator Bill Daly. I want to play cut number 12 because this is where he describes that this guy was clearly cold. He was calculated. He was organized. There were so many issues with this guy. And in this shooting that happened at the parade, he clearly had time to plan and plot and organize. And that is going to make it very difficult if he plans a mental illness a mental insanity defense. Well, it, it does start to at least suggest is that uh, this this per person had, you know, there was pre-planning involved. Um, perhaps it's someone who had access to one of those buildings or knew the buildings and knew the vantage point, if this is what we're hearing is correct. Again, I always like to caution as we, we do. Uh, the, as these uh, situations unfold, it may not be completely accurate information, but for understanding is that if there was a higher, you know, vantage point, whether it be rooftop or out of a window, uh, would mean that person would have perhaps done some type of canvassing and knowing the area, knowing how to get up there undetected, um, and and also looking for one where um, where they would be able to kind of take that, that uh, kind of surprise element uh, and uh, cascade that down on their victims, unfortunately. Isn't that tragic? This was a guy who was smart enough to be able to go there, find that fire escape, find the route, dress up as a woman, and then he's able to blend into the crowd afterwards and all of these things. Then he's able to get lost into the crowd and escape into the crowd. It is stunning, stunning. And police were called out to his house. We know of at least two times. We know of at least multiple times that apparently that happened well beyond even the ones that were being told about. Neighbors said they'd see police out there all the time. So if you hear that, you go, well, wait a minute. How come this kid was out there? Why did the parents allow that to happen? How could you let this happen? And this guy, if you look at his background, if you saw him going out and going out and trying to buy a gun, I'm wondering, we don't know yet, how did he get the guns? We do know that apparently it was legal because these other two cases didn't go on the record. And again, was it because the father was running for mayor uh, that maybe he had friends in the right places? Maybe somebody else in the family had friends in the right places or the police took sympathy on the family? You can't take sympathy on the family. If a guy's threatening to, first of all, kill himself and then threatening to kill his whole family, and then you have to confiscate 16 to 17 knives. Guess what? That guy is a problem to society. 
Let's go to Mike, uh, line one on the Lower East Side. Mike, your thoughts about all this. I get so angry because my heart is so broken, Mike, for these families who lost loved ones at a parade because this monster was able to walk free. And there are so many, when you look at the guy's warning sign, it's like, of course he was a mass shooter. If you look at his background, I mean, the guy was a loner threatening to kill his whole family. They don't do anything. And then he's like posting all this horrible stuff online. I mean, it's just, it's so blatant. It was like a blaring red flag all over the place. And now we have seven people who are dead, dozens injured, and the family so far hasn't had any culpability. It's outrageous. Well, Rita, this is all of our responsibility to talk to these kids. I started talking to these kids several years ago with the motorcycles, and the ones they impounded weren't the scooters that are always on the sidewalks because those kids only pop wheelies on the highway or in the streets. They're safe, courteous riders, but they just want to put another trophy around their neck. I was talking to these kids with their personal problems. I was talking to these kids about drugs. Everything I went through in life, I didn't want to see these kids go through, and they— Talk to me like I was their own father, okay? But they had to squash that. The mayor had to squash it because those kids were too good. He wanted somebody. He wanted troublemakers out there so he could be needed. It's all about so money, he, Rita. Mike, Mike, sorry, what is your point about Chicago, about the parade? Because I want to keep you focused on this. They closed up all the vocational schools, okay? I, I want to come to a solution. I don't want to talk about every time something like this happens, I just got to pronounce it, a pronounce it, a pronounce because it's monkey see, monkey do, okay? The solutions are open, put back the vocational schools where these kids can be taught how to fix uh, diesel engines. There's no diesel engine mechanics, no outboard motor mechanics, no nothing, okay? And uh, the teachers are sort of like counselors, you know, because they're like blue-collar workers, some of these vocational teachers. They talk to these kids. So once they become good outboard mechanics, going to go out and buy an outboard boat, go fishing and this and that, these kids have nothing because this is the way society wants them, okay? Why is it, ever, why is it such an outro of 65 million abortions in this country? Enough abortions to fill every city in in America, repopulate every city in America. And, and hey, Mike, hey, Mike, I just got to keep you focused. But I do hear what you're saying. There is this sort of lack of regard for uh, for life, um, lack of regard for individuals. And and listen, I, I'm glad that kids were able to talk to you um, because I do think that that's an important part that kids have somebody that they can talk to about their problems, about their issues. Um, have role models that they can discuss and talk things with because if they don't have that and they're a loner and they're isolated and they're sitting there with their video games and planning violence or depressed, all these different issues, um, obviously all these things lead to it. And by the way, parents, uh, you have a responsibility. You know, you bring somebody into this world and you have to take care of them. And if they are a troubled individual, then you need to make sure you admit it. You need to make sure that not only you personally admit it, you also need to make sure you admit them if they are a violent individual. And in this case, the writing was on the wall. Uh, I mean, so much with this kid. It is shameful. And these parents, I think, bear very much responsibility. Whoever was home when they suddenly called and said, hey, you know, this, uh, my uh, son is about to basically kill everybody in the house. Please come out. And you don't do anything. 
and then he's online. You're not looking and monitoring his social media uh, where it is a blaring red sign. You're not also checking if he's purchasing a gun. Uh, You know, you're not looking to see if he has other weapons. You're not seeing what kind of threats, what kind of plotting and planning. He gets tattoos all over his face. You don't kind of go, hey, son, uh, what's going on? I mean, there there are some major, major things here. Um, And you hit on some really powerful points because you're right. There's a lot of things going on in society also contributing to that. But people in the home, first and foremost, who know that individual best uh, need to step up and do the right thing. Uh, Mike, thank you very, very much. Let's go to BJ in Queens. Go ahead, BJ, your thoughts. So, you know, I asked myself, Rita, um, what's the difference between this administration and the last? And the last administration supported police. They had shootings, but not not this many in this succession. And I can't help but think if we had uh, supported the police and learned from the mistakes of that Wisconsin shooting, uh, last uh, November, that we probably could have been able to to at least squash this threat. Because uh, he, he, the sad truth, Rita, is that there's so many of these kids that are lost that will do this going forward. I, I really have a fear of this. That they, you know, they've been raised on video games and and uh, uh, hid in the basement and put on medication. No one pays attention to him. This kid couldn't even get arrested. That's how pathetic. No one, no one could care cared less what he did. So we we don't have a police presence. We we you know that 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 parade route should have really had a very heavy police presence. And and why is that? They don't support the police. It's an anti-police state, Illinois. They have the toughest gun laws, and they they want to defund the police. So the police don't proactively uh, uh, p- uh, do their job. They 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 don't want to get in trouble. And you and know? you know what's interesting, BJ? Um, and I don't know if any law enforcement might have prevented it. You're right. Maybe had he seen law enforcement on the route, maybe he might not have done it, or maybe he sadly might have tried to kill an officer too. I mean, who knows? Um, but you bring up a good point because law enforcement feel like they're arresting the people, and the next thing you know, they're back out on the streets. Um, and they feel overwhelmed. They feel like management doesn't have their back. And in a state like Illinois, which is a very liberal state, you're from Queens, New York, New York, you know the same thing. Um, you know, you see that revolving door of justice. And so law enforcement maybe arrests somebody and then they see them back out on the streets soon afterwards. And if the parents weren't pushing for an arrest or pushing for him to at minimum be institutionalized, um, well, then, you know, they feel a little bit helpless or, or maybe it was good old boys system because it was a small town. It's outside of Chicago. It's it's a nice suburb, apparently, where everybody knows everybody. So they probably knew at least the father or the mother. And yet uh, this kid was allowed to just continue on. And you're right. Um, there's a lot of things here. And, and if anything, you're right. I'm, I'm with you, BJ. We need much more law enforcement. And this defund the police, go soft on criminals approach, um, I do think adds to this climate. And I think there's a lot of fingers to point. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. 
And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment on the Rita Cosby Show, I love doing this segment because we honor our great military veterans and also their families. And today, a very special ceremony took place at the White House where four veterans from the Vietnam era, all Army guys, were awarded the Medal of Honor, the highest military honor that our country could bestow. This is President Biden announcing the medals for four of them. Today, we're setting the record straight. We're upgrading the awards of four soldiers who perform acts of incredible heroism during the Vietnam conflict to respect the conspicuous gallantry and and the intrepidability of their service. I mean, it's just astounding when you hear what each of them have done. They went far above and beyond the call of duty. It's a phrase always used, but it's, it, it just it takes on life when you see these men. To the late Staff Sergeant Edward M. Kinesiro, to Specialist 5 Dwight W. Birdwell, to Specialist 5 Dennis M. Fufuji, and to Major John Duffy, I'm proud to finally award our highest military recognition, the Medal of Honor, to each of you, one posthumously. And as you heard, one of them was given posthumously, uh, all of them amazing stories to hear of their incredible heroism, putting themselves in the line of fire to protect their comrades, Uh, just extraordinary stories. And uh, we had talked about Birdwell before because he was awarded uh, the medal and he is the first Cherokee, member of the Cherokee Nation, to receive it. And what a powerful, powerful story to hear of their selfless sacrifice and how beautiful that now four of them from the Vietnam era honored today at the White House receiving this incredible honor and their families present as well. And I say to all of the Vietnam veterans out there, welcome home. And to me, uh, whenever I've seen any of these Medal of Honor ceremonies, I just get emotional because it reminds me, and I hope it reminds all of you, and I know it does because we have the greatest patriots that listen to the Rita Cosby Show, that there are great, true heroes living among us. And we are talking about the case now of the Chicago parade shooter. This is the Highland Park shooting. Of course, this took out took place right outside of Chicago. And we've been talking about the background of this guy. This Robert Cremo, 21 years old, first of all, law enforcement were called so many times to his home. It's astounding that he was out even on the streets and able to get five guns legally, including the one that he used, the high-powered rifle that he used to open fire on the crowd. He then put it in a red blanket, and that's how he was able to kind of hide the uh, the weapon. He also dressed as a woman to get lost in the crowd. So he was very calculating, clearly planned it. He even posted on his social media site the parade route, basically saying, you know, like he was basically planning something. And he was also talking about violence. He had talked about violence in his past. That's also why law enforcement showed up at his house in the past. And then he was doing these kind of very kind of violent rap videos, too, as well. Uh, which is really interesting. If you look on a social media site, there were so many things in his background that he was talking about violence. He looked trouble. He looked wacky. He looked crazy. Um, and also some of the things he were talking about were just very, very 
uh, offensive, very violent, um, talking about mass killings, kind of like, you know, uh, highlighting and spotlighting previous mass killers, really scary stuff. And this is what one of the officials, the Lake County Deputy Sheriff Christopher Cavelli, said just a few hours ago that there is a very important message because, of course, law enforcement can't look at all the social media. I wish they could. Right now, you know, they kick people off from putting the wrong political views online, but yet they don't notice that these mass killers are out there. I understand that. You can't really vet it. Law enforcement are having a hard time vetting because there's just so much out there online. But if you look at this guy's background, clearly people close to him should have spoken up, not just at the violence that he was saying to them in person, but online, it's horrible. Why was he given a free pass? Take a listen. This is what Lake County Deputy Sheriff Christopher Cavelli said earlier today. So, so the question is essentially social media. If we had known about some of the posts, would we have investigated? Do we encourage the community to report those? And the answer is absolutely. If, if the public sees something that is concerning online with anybody, they should notify the social media network it's posted on. They should notify local law enforcement. And that's when we get involved and we conduct an investigation. And former New York City Police Commissioner Howard Safer also says that social media companies, as well as parents, need to be much more active. Take a listen to what he had to say. It's social media that really needs to cooperate with law enforcement and report. You know, they have algorithms that instantly tell if somebody doesn't agree with their political views and they uh, take that person off. They certainly should be able to determine when a young man, 18 to 21, posts these violent paintings on social media about killing people. You know, there are red flag laws, but if the red flag flag individuals who enforce them don't have the data, they're useless. Yeah, how sad is that? By the way, I always also look at your tweets, and you can tweet me, at Rita Cosby. Uh, Sharon uh, puts a question saying, something I'm curious about, I watched his rap video, and clearly someone else was doing the filming. Would like to know who that was. And was he relevant to any of this? That's a great point, because if you look at some of the videos, it does look like obviously somebody else is doing the filming. So who's doing the filming when he's talking about some of these violent, horrible things? And do they know more than they have shared so far about his plotting and planning? Because he looks like he was a big old neon sign talking about violence and talking about doing attacks and planning and going after people. Um, so that's a great, great question. And obviously that would be an important one to find out who was filming these videos, who else was aware of what he was maybe planning and plotting, because now authorities believe that at least in the case of this parade shooting, that he was planning at least for weeks because they know that there was a video up there of him showing the parade route that he was kind of casing out the exact parade route, trying to figure out where he should go. Which fire escape should he kind of go up uh, so he could have a vantage point to open fire with his rifle? So he goes to the roof of this one particular building. But they said that because of that, they could see that he was casing, planning. He also dressed like a woman. He brought the guns. He put one in the red blanket. He had all these different sort of planned steps that they believe at least shows them he was planning this for weeks. So, Sharon, you bring up a great point. Did somebody else know? 
because he doesn't seem like someone who is too discreet. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Susan on line seven. Susan, your thoughts about all this. Okay, well, Rita, the first thing that's just, I believe, is very standard is if an individual um, it ha- it says that they are a threat to themselves or others. Now, this individual said he was wanted to kill his family, and that was known. Those people, uh, and now I don't know if this is state by state, but I know for a fact in New York, um, you know, let's say you have a, a teenage child who's saying that they want to commit suicide. You can have them involuntarily, um, you know, basically put in um, an institution. I, I don't, I, yes. Or if they're because there is a assumption that if someone's a threat to themselves, they are also a threat to others. So. Those people, now, I just don't understand because every single one of these horrific, just tragic, um, you know, all these innocent people. And, you know, Jesus said we have to protect the innocent, and we're not. And I want to know why. We have the FBI, the, the the billions, millions we're spending. Why? Why are all these things falling through the cracks? Yeah, that's a great point. By the way, in this case, Susan, from what we understand, um, the authorities did come out, but then there was no arrest record. And it doesn't sound like there was any effort to get him institutionalized either. So it could be. I mean, we don't know. And we'll find out, obviously, hopefully very soon. But it sounds to me that either one, the parents clearly didn't want to press charges because he would have been arrested for threatening to kill somebody. And if he had knives and was planning on doing all these things, uh, there would have been enough to arrest somebody who had 16 to 17 knives. Um, So clearly the parents or whoever was at home said, oh, please don't arrest him. You know, we'll take care of this or whatever the case is. So that's one. So, yes, they actually dropped the ball clearly there, who or whoever was home at the time. The other is they didn't push to get him institutionalized. It sounds like from what we're hearing, and we'll know more. Again, it's only been a day or so. But what we're hearing now is that he wasn't institutionalized, that they came and they basically took the knives away, 16 to 17 knives. I mean, that's not like a normal... Uh, you know, normal uh, knife collection for anybody. And they take all those away, and then they basically go, okay, no problem, and don't put anything in his record. Nobody arrests him. Nobody institutionalizes him. So there's a lot of questions here because you're right. If the parents really pushed and said, A, either we want him arrested because they could have because it was threatening, you know, um, or um, institutionalized at minimum, he probably would have been either arrested or institutionalized. It sounds like they purposely did not want to push for anything and maybe put some pressure on police or police didn't encourage it. I mean, who knows? We don't know the full story, but clearly somebody dropped the ball. A great point, Susan. Thank you very, very much. Uh, let's go to Stan. Line four. Stan, your thoughts about this? Well, you know, the law that was just passed by Congress is a joke. It's a total yeah, it would, By the way, Stan, well, I, it would I, I, not I have done anything in this case. You're aware of that. Yeah, well, here's the point. The guy, even you said, he had mental health problems, and 
nobody did anything anyway. The cops knew you said they knew and so forth. So they didn't do anything there and so forth. Now, here's the point. What Medicaid funding in this country has been cut drastically in red states because they take the money away. And Medicaid funding has for mental health. Texas, which had that brutal, brutal murders, had Medicaid funding. They never used it for anything. They haven't, you know, it never was used to, for any mental health uh, type of situation or, or treatment for anybody. So here's the point, okay? Here's the point. This guy, you know, they got him. He'll probably be put in an institution. Maybe not. He may not be put in an institution. But he was a lone wolf, as all of them are. And they missed it, and they even, they even knew this guy, and they, they let him go. There's not, you know, you're talking about defunding the police. This was where a position where the police screwed up themselves. Okay, and they can't watch everybody. That's look. I'm giving a. They can't watch everybody, and they're not gonna watch everybody. But you know, if there were little signs back there was with this guy, and you said it, they should have did something. But nobody did. The police didn't do. It. I mean, they said, "Well, we'll take away the knives," as you said. Yeah, I mean, can you believe that, Stan? It's a total joke. It is. It's horrible. And Stan, you know, you also we don't know, um, but there probably is something to do with the fact that it's a small community. Everybody knew everybody. The guy was running. The father was running for mayor. You know, maybe that had something to do with it, where he said to law enforcement, hey, do me a favor, uh, deputy so-and-so, if you could kind of not, you know, do a report or if you could not, you know, uh, you know, mention this or whatever or not arrest him. Who knows what was going on? Uh, either way, I agree with you. Law enforcement should have done more. They should have done some flag. They should have arrested him, you know, Um and they should have encouraged the father to at least institutionalize or arrest him or the mother or whoever was home. We don't know, but we'll find out. Um, and you bring up Medicaid funding. By the way, this is in Chicago, uh, in Illinois, which is a blue state. And, you know, none of these new things, as you just brought up, Stan, that passed, this new bill that, you know, Biden's t- touting as like the big be-all, end-all, because uh, he wanted to have something that he could say politically, oh, yeah, we passed this big bill, we did this. It wouldn't have changed a thing in this case unless families step up. Uh, also, law enforcement get tough, too, because law enforcement need to be tough in this case, too. But you don't know. You know, you don't know what they were told. You don't know what the family said. We know that they came on to a report that he was planning on killing everybody in the house. I consider that pretty serious. Uh, the fact I'd like to know why, just as you said, they did not arrest him. Did the family put pressure? Did police uh, try to have sympathy on the guy? I mean, as they shouldn't have. I mean, who knows? There are so many issues here. And this is a classic case where it absolutely should have been red flagged. Uh, whether it, And by the way, they can only red flag if there's an arrest, but it should be red flagged. If there is a mental illness where someone is threatening to actually kill their family members and also threatening to kill themselves, you've got two incidents within months of each other. And then within months, he's legally allowed to buy a gun. There's, there are so many issues here. And sadly, uh, you know, the Democrats are playing politics and saying it's all guns, guns, guns. But unless you have families that step up and law enforcement feel emboldened that they can do arrests because they're making arrests and then the people are back out on the street, that doesn't help. Um, and I'd also like to know, Sharon had brought up in this uh, social media I just brought up in the tweet, brought up the fact that, guess what? Um, you know, who else was filming these videos? Was the father filming the videos? Was a brother? Was a family member? Was a friend? 
Like, who else knew the guy was nuts and didn't say anything? People need to speak up. There are so many issues here. Stan, thank you. I always love your calls. Thanks so much. Um, let's go to let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Dave, your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you know, I would like to know, you know, there were lots of red flags at Buffalo shooting. Obviously, there were red flags for the mass shooting in, in Florida. In Charleston, FBI knew something because they're held liable and have set up over $200 million in those two cases. And there's a billion-dollar settlement pending with the, but FBI not doing anything about the, that doctor that sexually molested the uh, gymnast, or U.S. gymnast. And I just would like to know, this should be, where, where's the forensic analysis? You know, how the FBI dropped the ball? Where, where is their role? Because I'll tell you one thing the FBI did a really good job of. And that was with coordinating with CNN when they arrested Roger Stone and had it all filmed. And they did a wonderful job in that situation. It's almost like they become more a political police than a law enforcement agency. That, you know, know what? And Dave, you're right. They, that was a big old, you know, big, uh, big to do. And also Peter Navarro, remember when he was arrested recently at the airport? Although in this case, we don't know about FBI involvement. So far, it looks like it. this would have been local police basically called to respond. Uh, but they have a lot of questions to now answer because first they said, oh, there was nothing in the guy's background. Then they admit tonight that there turned out there was clearly something in his background. And it, again, it's local police. It looks like it's the police there for that area. And the question is, why wasn't the kid arrested? Why did you just take away the knives and say, okay, this is what, it's normal that somebody has 16, 17 knives and is planning on killing his whole family and then is able to get access to guns? There are a lot of questions tonight for law enforcement there and also a lot of questions also clearly for the family. And did somebody else know who's filming some of these crazy, horrible, hate-filled videos that the guy's doing? Uh, did somebody think that maybe he was a danger or was? did somebody know he was planning it? I mean, he sounds like he was pretty vocal. He didn't sound like he was hiding it that well. So the question is, who else knew what? And are there a lot of other people that should be held culpable uh, lots of questions for everybody tonight. What are your thoughts? 1-800-848-9222. And I'll continue with your calls after the break. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about Robert Cremo. This is the guy, the 21-year-old, I call a monster, who opened fire on the July 4th parade just outside of Chicago, killing now seven people and injuring more than 30. And now when you hear the guy's background, this is just one of the cases. This is the first one where law enforcement that we know of, there's probably many more, where they went out to his house and he was planning to kill himself. Take a listen. This happened in 2019. An individual contacted Highland Park Police Department uh, a week after learning of Mr. Cremo attempting suicide. Uh, this was a delayed report, so Highland Park still responded to the residents a week later, spoke with Cremo, spoke with Cremo's parents, and the matter was being handled by uh, mental health professionals at that time. There was no law enforcement action. Oh yeah, it's normal. I'm just going to go out there and kill myself, and then a few months later he's going to kill everybody in the house, and they take 16, 17 knives from his house and nobody arrests him, and law enforcement professionals, what did they do? What, did they give him some medication, say, see ya, good luck? 
I mean, this is outrageous. Let's go to Max on line two. Max, go ahead. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Yeah, Rita, I, I'm probably not going to turn in my son or my brother. So that's, that's just is what it is. But why can't we blame uh, YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook? I, they want to have it both ways. Well, they, they allow these guys to post these things, and they, they should be calling the FBI and law enforcement. But, you know, I, I just read where a guy, I, I, I don't remember the guy's name, no, John Peterson called some guy Elliot, who changed his name to Ellen, so they banned him from Twitter for calling a man a man, but they don't take down these, these, these postings and these violent videos. Why, why can't they be blamed? I agree. By the way, Max, 1,000%. They should be able to vet if they have these algorithms that can determine, like the case you just brought up, where if somebody says something that they don't like politically and they get banned or whatever, they have those kind of algorithms. Don't you think they could put in somebody who's talking about killing people or some of these other things? You're right. Um, but But I disagree with you on the point that I do think if you have a family member who is so violent as this kid clearly appears to be, it is a hard thing to do to turn in, whether it's your brother or your son or whoever like that. Uh, But somebody has to speak up because even if they have algorithms, how are they going to figure it out? There's just so many things out there online. And the front line of defense is a family member or a neighbor or somebody like that. It's hard to do. But if you don't do it, look what could happen. Happen. Let's go to Jacqueline real quick. Line one. Jacqueline, your thoughts, too. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. Um, a lot of your callers made some very good points, and if I could just add to a couple of them. Yep, real I quick, listened, Jacqueline. I listened to a very good interview with the former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida, Guy Lewis. So they can get together with local, state, and federal agencies to monitor and prosecute things when they occur, like what happened with this individual on multiple occasions. But But the problem is, Jacqueline, they need to know about it, and somebody needs to report it and not just say, oh, we showed up at the house and we left. 